Bickley and Murata. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley Blast. You cannot blame Cardinal fans for feeling liberated this morning and not just because Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Keim are no longer part of our future. It's because the owner, Michael Bidwill, did the right things Monday morning and he said the right things Monday afternoon. He spoke from the heart. He seemed vulnerable and personable, not tight, tense, and terse. He seemed to have his priorities properly aligned from a nationwide search for his GM to the idea idea of hiring a head coach first if the right guy is available. He even smiled when Sean Payton's name was mentioned. It was exactly what I needed to believe this football team wasn't regressing back into the dark ages and that history was not repeating itself. Credit Bidwill for finally understanding that Kingsbury is not head coaching material and certainly not in the NFL. And I credit him for stepping out of his comfort zone with Kime, a general manager who was referred to by other NFL executives as nine lives for his wacky job security, a general manager who had sunk this team with terrible drafting and no coherent philosophy. But most of all, credit Bidwill for admitting the contract extensions to both were a big mistake and for eating all that guaranteed money. Because no matter what that amount happens to be, that is something his father would have never done. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable. They've got two great locations, and you can find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. I don't know if there's a disconnect. There was just performance on the field. I think he put in uh, maximum effort. He he was in here, as I said earlier. There's, I've, throughout my lifetime, I've never seen a coach put in more time. And uh, there were just a lot of bad breaks this year, and I think we got to the point to where it was just time for a change. Michael Bidwell yesterday, just time for a change. Yeah. It was certainly obvious to a good portion of the Cardinals fan base, I think pretty early on this season, when you could see that continuation of the second half swoon last year early on, that's when people started to go, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. And that was after... A very tumultuous offseason for this team that involved contract extensions and homework clauses and edicts from agents and the untimely death of a, of a team member. I mean, and PED suspensions. PED suspensions, draft night trades, guys late for team meetings. Uh, you know, it, it's been. It has been an unbelievable year. Yeah. So again, I, I agree with you, and and uh, we've been uh, you had been critical of Michael Bidwell uh, and and critical with kind of an eye of is he actually going to do this because mm-hmm. he's on the precipice of repeating you know past bad history with this franchise, which nobody wanted to see happen. He didn't no. do that. He recognized the time for change. And he made the change swiftly. And and again, and I just thought his whole vibe yesterday was not what I expected, and it was exactly what I felt like I needed. It, he even said something that I that I think because uh, you know I believe one of his faults is, is he has been too involved. He has been too hands on. He's been too meddlesome, and and he's shown too many Robert Sarver like tendencies in that regard. He was 
asked about that yesterday, and his response basically was, look, I, I just need to know what's going on. I need to understand what's going on, and I, I think that's appropriate. And I thought that answer was was very legitimate, and I think that if you hire guys that you begin to not trust all that much, then maybe you do want to get involved more. So, so again, my fear is that Michael Bidwell had lost his competitive zeal. Um, I, they were they were softened yesterday. Now, he's got to finish the job, and he's got to go out and get good candidates, and if he pulls off uh, the hiring of Sean Payton, that would be an absolute grand slam. There was something about the way he handled the Sean Payton question that made a lot of people go, hmm. There might be something there. I'm going to hold out hope for that because that to me would be an A-plus deal. I think that, um, as I've said repeatedly, I I think this whole leadership hierarchy really got – wacky after the the firing of Steve Wilkes when when Steve Keim said, hey, I got a great idea. The league is getting offensive. Let's go get this guy out of Texas Tech and I'll do the right. What he doesn't know, I'll get his back and I'll hire his coaches for him and and we'll let him be a glorified offensive coordinator and we'll let him develop Kyler Murray and, and all the rest we'll take care of and we'll bring in locker room guys. Does not work. It works when things are going well. It doesn't work when things are going bad and and we've all seen it we we have all seen very clearly what the issues are here and i just i just give him credit for doing a tough move i i think all of us had that fear that it was going to be something less than that yes and, and i've been saying it for the better part part, part of two years really 18 months mm-hmm. is that i am curious i was curious to see two things I would love to see what Cliff Kingsbury's offense looked like without Kyler Murray with another quarterback in there. On the flip side of that, and what we will see eventually, what Kyler Murray looks yes. like in a different offense yes. that's can't not wait. Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, and and I can't wait to see Kyler Murray um, have a coach who is going to now um, not indulge and not pacify and coddle, but somebody who makes him grow. I mean, looking back, and we talked about all the tumultuous things that happened to this team. One of them happened in a rare victory for the Cardinals. A Thursday night win over the New Orleans Saints. Mm -hmm. When the Cardinals are on the doorstep of scoring a touchdown, they've got to burn another timeout because of sloppy on-field operation. And Kyler Murray comes off the field, and the cameras capture him telling his coach, calm the bleep down. Mm Mm-hmm. And the reaction, the visceral reaction, the visible reaction from Cliff Kingsbury was like, oh, like it, it was almost a look of shock. Mm-hmm. And they tried to downplay it. It became a, a story. It remained a story for the rest of the year. We probably should have known at that point, don't you think? I, well, I think we did. I think we did know that that relationship was broken. It was just a matter of whether or not anything was going to be made of that or come of that. And I think they won one game after that. Yeah, and that's not by and that's not by happenstance. There, there's a reason why teams that fail late fail late because of a lot of things. Discipline is one of them. So I'm, I'm just I'm ecstatic that that this football team has got a fresh start. It, it was really I, I got to be honest with you, man. As somebody who has put twenty plus years and you have too into this market and into this business, the thought of the Arizona Cardinals drifting back to a state of non competitive apathy was really it was I I was thinking of I was thinking of moving to Portugal. <laughs> Ooh, I could hear it in your voice Lisbon yesterday. Is beautiful. So I could be Portugal the man. <laughs> All right, sorry, that's really bad. That's I could really I could bad. hear it in your voice yesterday before we knew what was going to happen when it was sort of 50-50 yeah. and and you were just like please 
Please don't do no, this to us again. I, right. I, it, it's it's just something where I, I really want to believe we're advancing and we're growing, and it's this this is this was a big move. You even expected Michael Bidwell to come down in a red blazer yesterday. He wore a blue suit. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was full of surprises. <laughs> Good surprises. <laughs> I didn't see a bow tie. It was a regular tie. That's true. Whoa. New era. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. More on the future of the Arizona Cardinals and where it goes from here next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on this Tuesday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. This was something that had been speculated over for a while, I think, and for a number of reasons. Cliff Kingsbury uh, struggled uh, throughout his NFL career at the ends of seasons, going 10-24 and 24 after November as a head coach. And Kyler regressed a bit this season from the form he showed last year, particularly in the first half of last season. There were also reports from our own ESPN, jo- ESPN's Josh Weinfest, who covered the Cardinals, about a deterioration in their relationship. So for Kyler, job number one is, of course, getting healthy. And then job number two is pairing with a head coach who can bring out the best of him, I think, is something that is going to be tied to the scheme, of course, but also to Kyler's own performance, which needs to be better for this Arizona Cardinals team to be competitive. Mina Kimes, ESPN, talking about Kyler Murray's regression in year four before the injury. It's undoubted uh, that uh, he had regressed. The, mm-hmm. the production wasn't there. Um, the yardage, the sheer numbers weren't there. The results weren't there. The specialness wasn't there. No, outside of really the, the, the glimpse of what we saw in Las Vegas in week two against the Raiders, Kyler Murray was a so-so quarterback mm-hmm. in year four. One of the reasons uh, for that, and I think this was unfortunately by design at a lot of times, whether it was due to personnel not being available at the receiver spots or... Uh, your offensive line being banged up. But the deep ball was just not even a threat or a thought for the Arizona Cardinals right. offense. guy by the name of J.J. Zachariasen, uh, who is a fantasy guy, but he tweets a lot of uh, advanced football stats. He did a deep dive on deep balls. And what he describes deep balls, 15-plus yards in the air downfield. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray had a... Um, a 3.28% difference and drop in the percentage of deep balls that he threw this year. The alarming number is that the difference in his completion percentage mm-hmm. on those particular 15 or more yard throws was down 19.94%. He completed only 29.5% of those throws, which was the worst mark in the league Wow, this year. The drop-off was also the worst mark in the league. And we're talking about 30-plus quarterbacks who had played in both 21 and 22. That's part of it. But I I have to, you know, in the previous segment too, Bick, I said there's a curiosity. And it's it's an optimistic curiosity to see what Kyler Murray looks like in a different offense. Mm -hmm. From day one, Kyler Murray was touted as, this guy knows the offense better than anybody. He's been running it his whole life. We didn't see the results. It does make me nervous that a a, a a coach slash play caller slash offensive mind 
was not the right guy to unlock all of Kyler Murray's tools. Well, that kind of gives me pause moving forward. Oh, okay, I, to, to me, I, I really I understand what you're saying. I do, I, and you're getting to uh, the, sort of the narrative that Kyler Murray is uncoachable. That Kyler Murray, um, unlike Josh Allen, whom Jay Feely just described as a guy that came in with ample amount of humility, Kyler Murray has come in with a with an ample amount of bravado, maybe false bravado in a lot of cases. Probably that he needs to. Kind of get by. Uh, I look at it this way. You mentioned this. This you mentioned this back and forth on the field uh, in the game against New Orleans when Kyler Murray came at mm-hmm. Cliff Kingsbury and Cliff just kind of took it, mm-hmm. just kind of swallowed it. Then after the game, Cliff kind of was passive aggressive. Kind of was like, well, you know, I kind of like when I show fire. I don't know, you know. And it's it was like, okay, th- this to me is a snapshot of why this relationship is not working because Cliff Kingsbury does not have it in him to dictate terms to this quarterback. And he had no issues with David Blau. I mean, David Blau's up under center running play action and waggles. Look, it, look it's, it's up to the adults in the room to dictate what the policy and the philosophy is. And this is not the Kyler Murray Cardinals. These are the Arizona Cardinals. And you need a head coach who's going to say, listen, son. I I know what it takes to get there. You talk about wanting to win a Super Bowl. I've been there. I know what it takes. This is what you are going to do. And and I think that before we before we say Kyler Murray is uncoachable, I think we need to get a better coach trying to reach him. Yes. Um, how many? And I'm not I'm not poking fun at Wolf when I say this, but how often over the last, especially two years, have we heard Wolf come on the air? And mm-hmm. talk about the Cardinals' offense progressing, mm-hmm. evolving. And mm-hmm. part of that evolution that he was hinting at was Kyler Murray getting under center mm-hmm. and pinpointing all the different ways that can give you more flexibility as an yep. offense. Yep. Mm-hmm. And yet it never, it never happened. happened. And we only saw it happen to a larger degree when the Cardinals got down to their fourth string quarterback this year. Yeah. Mm. Meaning it was in the Cliff Kingsbury yeah. bag. Oh, yeah. But they, but, but they one cl- guy wouldn't get, take the clamp off the bag, right? And and one guy was not able to dictate to the quarterback, "This is what you're doing. This is the system." It, it's one thing. It's one thing in a very common practice for a head coach to get a quarterback and to run through a bunch of plays and then say, "Okay, we just ran 45 plays. Tell me your 10 favorites. What do you like the most? What plays when I call them do you see the field in all its glory?" Okay, that's very, very common. But what's not common is to, to to surrender the farm to a young quarterback who hasn't even won a playoff game yet. Way too much coddling uh, in this previous in this previous leadership regime when it came to Kyler Murray. You, we we all lived it. The first couple of years, there was uh, any number of outside reports of things that are just off with Kyler Murray, and the and the franchise went over the top to cover for him. Steve Kime even called Bart Scott basically a liar. I don't know what he's talking about. I've got no issues with Kyler Murray's leadership. Oh, really? So, so, and again, so I think what I'm getting at here is you need the right guy, the right alpha male at the top. This is exactly what I'm talking about when I say the hierarchy and the leadership structure of this football yes. team was just whack. But to Jay Feely's point from our conversation at the end of the 7 o'clock hour with him, this is all about Kyler Murray. This is about how much Kyler Murray is willing to absorb, how much Kyler Murray mm-hmm. is willing to evolve. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, can can he rely on humility? He's been knocked down a peg this year. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, he got his fat contract, but 
Now there, I think there's more doubt about Kyler Murray's future in the NFL now than there ever has been during his NFL right. career. But I also think all the I think all the I'm not going to call it slander, but all the speculation on Kyler Murray as a person I think has kind of run amok. And and the fact that Kyler Murray had to come out and clap back at Patrick Peterson and say, "Dude, you know wh- wh- who do you think I am? And if you thought I was that guy, why didn't you help me? Why didn't you tell me what's what?" Yeah. Now you you, you want to be a mentor me. now that you're yeah, wearing a different number, uniform? Yeah. yeah. Why, if you really cared about me and my development, why didn't you give me a heads up about this? It's the same thing with the study clause, how he had to come out and do that press conference and essentially say, like, if I don't work hard, how did I get this far? And again, the study clause, Michael Bidwell took the bore the brunt of this. But again, if you do some reverse engineering, you can see what's happening. Cliff Kingsbury was watching film with Michael Bidwell every week. And every week, Cliff Kingsbury would point out all the open receivers and all the mistakes Kyler Murray was making. It's natural. That's what a head coach would do in that situation. He would use that opportunity, that film study to point out, hey, look, the system is fine. The, what, what we're running is fine. The, the, the execution is, is, is what's at, at fault here. And so that, to me, is what led to that independent study clause, mm-hmm. was all that film study Michael Bidwell did with Cliff Kingsbury and Michael going, okay, the head coach keeps telling me that the, that the quarterback keeps missing all these open receivers. He better study more. So to me, again, I think all of this stuff, I, I'm not trying to absolve Michael Bidwell from everything, but I do think that uh, on some level he got caught up in the midst of a, a regime that was desperately trying to save their backsides. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Countdown to Super Bowl 57 has begun, and Bud Light, FanDuel, and Arizona Sports want you to be there in person. Text SUPER to 620-620. Register and listen for your name starting February 6th, and you can score a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl. Plus, win tickets to FanDuel Party, the uh, Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl experience. Text SUPER to 620-620 to get entered. It's all access presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. Coming up next, we'll continue to talk NFL, Cardinals changes, and around the league. Steve Weish, NFL Network, joins us next here on Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Cardinals joining the ranks of teams in the NFL, looking for a new head coach, also looking for a new general manager. Here to talk about all of that with us from NFL Network, Steve Weiss checks in on the Arizona Sports Line. Steve, it's been a while. How you been, man? Oh, it's been a while. I've been good. How are you guys holding up? Good. We got we got some stuff to talk about. Yeah, we, we do. Big changes in the uh, in the future for the Arizona Cardinals. When honestly, Steve, during the course of of the year, uh, and especially when you consider the length of the contract extensions handed out by Michael Bidwell to Steve Kime and, and Cliff Kingsbury, back in March, there was doubt uh, on whether or not this change, which we d- deemed necessary, would happen. I mean, what was your reaction to to the to the quick move by Michael Bidwell? No surprise. I mean, you could see, you know, look, Steve Kime stepped away for health reasons, and, you know, you could, you were just wondering if, if he was going to be able to come back, especially, you know, his drafting track record has not been great. He's been there a long time, and that maybe they need to go ahead and move forward just with a whole new leadership direction. And with Kingsbury, I mean, I don't know if he's seeing this necessarily as a horrible thing. I mean, he really seemed beaten down oh, as yeah. the season went along, and, and he may be relieved that he's no longer going through this. So, 
Um, no surprises. I, I think they have to make a change. It just seemed way too dysfunctional mm-hmm. um, throughout the season with all of the things that went on this season. Without a doubt. So when you look at Kyler, everything has got to be patterned around Kyler Murray and, and elevating Kyler Murray and, and holding him accountable is going to be very, very key. It leads a lot of people to speculate on Sean Payton. When you look at where Sean Payton might end up, what, what, what do you say to yourself? How realistic might Arizona be if they're willing to pay a price well i mean you know look they're not going to do the dance if they're not going to be willing to pay remember they're also going to have to give up compensation to the saints to get him and the saints aren't going to let him go for a song Mm -hmm. they know his value and they know all the work that they have to do so are are the cardinals one willing to give up that type of of compensation two um sean payton is going to want ultimate authority you may have a general manager but he is bill parcells I mean, he, what he did down in New Orleans, he ran every aspect of that building. So they have to understand, maybe this is the type of leader that we need. And then, to, and then lastly, you know, in terms of conforming around a quarterback, I mean, that's what Sean Payne has done. He did it with Drew Brees. It was consistent. Um, but overall, could he have better opportunities? I mean, is Denver a better opportunity? Remember, Russell Wilson and him, there was talk about them uniting in New Orleans. You know, um, I, I don't see a place like the Colts or Carolina being overly attractive to Sean Payton. So, um, again, we'll we'll see, but he seems to have the itch, and Arizona might offer up the best potential structure um, for him to win, especially if, if they give him complete authority to run the entire operation. Steve Weiss, Chief National Reporter for NFL Network, our guest here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings. Uh, of the five, well, first, I mean, there's five openings right now for coaches. Steve, do you expect any more to open up? And, and if not, I mean, how, where would you rank the, the, the best opportunity for, for any coach? Or do you, do you kind of chalk it up to individual fit? Yeah, I mean, there, there's always a surprise. And we're already hearing about, and, and I think this is incredibly legitimate, Sean McVay stepping away, kind of doing what Sean Payton did this year. I, I think that is a real, real possibility. And if that happens, maybe they just promote somebody from within, um, like a Raheem Morris. So, And then you don't know what's going to happen with Washington, with the potential sale of the team. Mm-hmm. Would new ownership want to retain Ron Rivera? <clears throat> the thing is, maybe that sale doesn't happen for several months. So making a change right now would make no sense. So there, there, there's, there's always a surprise or two out there. Um, you just never know, but those are the two I, I kind of put a surprise bubble hanging over. In, in ranking, you know, the situations, I think you have to, you know, put Denver first. I mean, yes, there's an ownership change, but this is one of the deep, most deep-pocketed owners in the NFL. The culture in that community um, is already there, even though they haven't really been great um, since Peyton Manning left. There is some structure within that organization. Uh, and then you look around and you're like, well, the Colts, they've been kind of a mess, but they've got a pretty good roster, but they don't have a quarterback. The Texans, disaster. Arizona, whoever comes in, you're going to have to cater to Kyler, but Kyler might not even be able to ready, ready to play until the end of next season. So what do you do until yeah, then? Right. You know, so, so there's just, you know, there, there's a reason why those teams are looking for head coaches and those teams, you know, we're pretty much a mess this year and, and there's no real quick fixes except for possibly in Denver because they have Russell Wilson. And if a coach can get him going, 
um, then they could turn things around pretty quickly. The, the, the amount of draft capital the Raiders gave up to get John Gruden was extreme, and a lot of people think that might be the same with Sean Payton. Yet yet precedent, all, precedent isn't always what it seems to be. We thought that every contract after Deshaun Watson was going to be fully guaranteed, and that wasn't the case. What, what do you think is a price too high to pay for a head coach when it comes to draft capital? Depends on, depends on what your roster is. You know, and so with the Arizona Cardinals specifically, they got a lot of holes to fill. Yeah, I know you played that. I know you played that clip of Michael Bidwell saying, "Hey, the talent is there." He's looking at it. You know, maybe you know I'm just too far away and don't know what's going on. But he's looking at things a lot differently than I am. <laughs> um, so, do they want to give up? You know, a first or a first and a fourth or a, a second and a third to do that when they've. And they've got to build. You know, maybe he wants to go into free agency and, and and all that. They don't have a ton of trade capital in terms of players for for picks. I mean, a trade Buda Baker? No. I mean, how many how many guys do other teams really want with that that are going to come with with that type of compensation? So it's you know, I, I just I just don't know. And that's where they have to figure out what their GM is going to be. Are they going to do it in house, or again, if they give total authority to someone like Sean Payton? You know who they're going to have yeah. to give up the, the farm right. for? Um, is is it really all worth it? I mean, th- these are things that hopefully they've had plenty of time to already kind of sort through to see which direction they want to go in. The Demar the Demar Hamlin story, thank God, ended up in a very good place. He's coming back to Buffalo. He's he's felt all the love. He's promised to return it back into the world. So it's all great. I'm curious though, how do you think it's going to play out with this neutral site AFC Championship game if we get to that point? The way the playoff schedules had to be adjusted. Do you see any city issues with this? How do you think it's going to play out? No, I mean, look, we, we know some teams like Kansas City are like, you know, this is kind of this, or Cincinnati, this is kind of that. I, I'm going to fall back to a couple things. Teams have had to adjust before. I mean, the Bills had to go to Detroit this year because of a snowstorm, mm-hmm. right? That's right. It, it worked, right? Um, and I just go back to something I've said and what a million people have said throughout their careers as players, coaches, fans, whatever. It doesn't matter where we play the game. We'll play in the parking lot if we have to. Um, let's just play the game. Okay, there you go. I'm going to put that in your face. I'm going to throw that in your face anytime you want to complain about where a game is played. The only people who should be upset about this are the fans, maybe, yeah. right? Right. You know, the, the fans who may have to catch a flight or can't, can't readjust their work schedules to get to a game in a different city. Yeah. Other than that... Just play the game, man. It's, it's going to get you to a Super Bowl. And if you're more bent out of shape about where you're playing instead of what the ultimate goal is, then uh, I think your eyes are on the wrong prize. Steve Weiss from NFL Network, our guest here on Arizona Sports. Before we let you go, I want to go back to the coaching real quick again because I'm seeing the, the initial wave of candidate uh, candidates that are out there for these openings, Steve. And, you know, obviously Sean Payton, Jim Harbaugh are getting a lot of the attention. But D'Amico Ryans, Raheem Morris, uh, Jonathan Gannon, Ben Johnson, these are the guys that are popping up in, in a lot of these uh, rumors right now. For the last four or five years, it seems, it was Eric B enemy rumor season you, you yeah. don't see his name right now uh have we passed the possibilities of eric b becoming a head coach it seems like it right now he may be coming in the next wave there's always a couple waves right this is the initial okay let's look at some of the new guys or some of the guys with experience as head coaches and then let's kind of get to some of the established coordinators because you're not seeing guys like leslie frazier eric b um 
there, you know, there, there's a couple other coordinators out there that we've we've seen a little bit. I mean, hell, why isn't Steve Wilkes getting more opportunity after what he just showed in Carolina? Yeah, you know, so he so he may be in the second wave. Um, so we'll we'll see. But it's just really weird. I mean, maybe people say, look, Eric has interviewed 10, 12 times and hasn't gotten a job. There's something there. We just don't want to go that route. But I, I just don't understand it <clears throat> um, in terms of what what he and that staff have done this year with all the changes they made offensively and the way they've kind of redesigned their offense. To me, if I'm looking at it like, hmm, that's, that's a little bit more than they've had to do in the past couple of years. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. So... Again, we'll see. There's always there's always a couple ways, and we'll see which direction these teams want to go in. Steve, thanks so much, as always, for joining us. Really appreciate you, the, uh, the insight. Yep, take care, guys. Thank you, Steve Weiss, uh, Chief National Reporter for NFL Network, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, good bounce back last weekend for the Arizona State Sun Devils. Two home wins over Washington State and Washington. And we'll talk to the head coach of the Devils, Bobby Hurley, next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. This is the Sun Devil Fast Break with ASU men's head basketball coach Bobby Hurley. The Sun Devil Fast Break is presented by Arizona Ford Dealers. Yeah, real good weekend for the Sun Devils last weekend. They sweep the Washington schools. And now they head out on the road as Pac-12 play continues. Devils now 13-3 and here uh, checking in for his weekly visit with us on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Bobby Hurley, the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils. Bobby, good morning. How are you? Pretty good. Good morning, guys. Hello, Bob. Uh, you got to be thrilled with the way your team responded from a, a, a rough couple games, the San Francisco game before Christmas, and then getting back into Pac-12 in what was a somewhat promising uh, game, even though you lost to Arizona. But that bounce back was 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 great. Yeah, I think we you know we found something in the second half, uh, certainly of the Arizona game, and it was uh, it was tough to sit on two losses uh, as long as we had to. You know, when you have the game right before Christmas, you don't play again until New Year's Eve, and it's uh, against a top five team, obviously. And uh, but you know, our defense was excellent in that half, and I think it carried over into you know into both games. Uh, you know, each team presented different challenges. Uh, you know, Washington State and Washington, you know, played very well this past week. You know, uh, get, uh, Washington giving Arizona all they can handle in a loss, and then Washington State obviously going there and winning. So, you know, we uh, we caught those teams, you know, playing pretty good basketball, and uh, and we're able to get a couple of victories. So it was a really good week. Bobby, when you say that you found something in that second half of the Arizona game, I was there, so I saw it. I know what you're talking about. But you, you got, coming into the year, you knew you guys were talented defensively. Was it the fact that you were as good as you were against an offense as good as Arizona? Was that what the enlightenment was in the second half of that game? Uh, I think it was more, um, you know, I think we know we could guard that way and what we're capable of doing. But I think our confidence was a little bit shaken just with, you know, how we lost at San Francisco and then, you know, the first half of the Arizona game getting down. I think an ordinary team would have gotten beaten by 20 or more in that game, but we uh, showed a lot of will, a lot of heart, um, and it started with our defense really kind of uh, you know, getting our momentum going and, and getting us playing more confidently. We just didn't have enough to close that game out in the second half. But, uh, you know, it certainly carried over. And, and again, you know, Washington State is going gonna, is gonna to win a lot of games. I think this, this uh, you know, moving forward is if they continue to play the way they are and, uh, 
they're finally healthy. So it was just good to see, uh, you know, in the Washington game, uh, you know, Jemiah Neal play very well. He was uh, a guy that, you know, we know has good potential and a chance to perform that way. I was happy to see him do that. Um, Des Cambridge is a scorer. You know, we talk about his ability to put points on the board. He had, you know, seven assists and no turnovers and uh, had a great, great pass for the best pass of the season to DJ Horn in the right corner for three in that Washington game. So, um, I think it's, uh, you know, the way we're, we're moving the basketball is great. We had 23 assists out of 29 made field goals versus Washington. Bobby Hurley, the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils, our guest weekly here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. And you mentioned a few of the players that I wanted to touch on, but just the flexibility that you have in terms of go-to scores. I mean, a lot of programs around the country have the guy that you, you know, you have to key on. But when I look at your roster, you mentioned the Cambridges. Warren Washington can be a big scorer at times. DJ Horner, Frankie Collins have done it. Jemiah Neal did it last weekend. How much does this team thrive on that flexibility in terms of guys that you can lean on to put the ball in the basket when you need one. It's it's great as a coach to have balance on your team and, and have a lot of guys invested in what you're doing and uh, so it's uh, you know it's great you don't want to see one guy you know dominating you uh, and putting the majority of the points on the board then you're, you're kind of easy to uh, to try and game plan for but when you have a number of guys that can score and you have that kind of balance I think you're more more difficult to defend and uh, you know what a game for, for you, t- you talked about Warren Washington against Washington Washington State. He, you know, he was nine for ten from the field. You know, playing against uh, Muhammad Gay, who you know went down to Arizona two days later and, and had twenty four and I think fourteen rebounds. So uh, you're talking about a guy that's playing, you know, at an elite level, you know, on the front court and Warren Washington. And then uh, in the Washington game, Devin Cambridge. I mean, I think he had six dunks in the game. I don't think I've had a, a coach the team where I've had double-figure dunks in a game. Just kind of uh, goes to show how athletic and, and how good we are in the open court. Yeah, I, I know you said after the game and the people were joking about it. Yeah, lob you or have you guys printed lob up the T-shirts people. yet, Bobby? <laughs> Not yet. It's just yeah. I was kind of. I'm, I'm clever like that. I come up yeah. with these catchphrases. <laughs> you know, uh, clever like that. You know, yeah. Not, uh, but it, it was you know it was really good because against against the Washington zone they really get those wings lifted up and uh, it, it wasn't scripted offense. Our guys were able yeah. to identify that and they trust Devin. You know, climbing the ladder and he really knows you know what to do with it above the rim. Now, Warren Washington, you expect him to get double-digit rebounds given just the, the, the mammoth size of that guy. Jemiah Neal to get 12 rebounds for you is pretty big. How did that happen on, on Saturday? Jemiah is, I think, like a lot of guys that come off the bench, kind of searching you know, for a role and establishing a role. And we've been trying to talk to him about using all his athleticism you know, in a variety of ways. And not only, you know, he can really put it on the floor and get to the basket. And, you know, we want him to, to be in attack mode, you know, uh, in that regard. But, you know, use your athleticism to get deflections, to go rebound the ball. And he's got you know, he's six five. He's got good length. Can really get off his feet. He's a quick twitch guy. So um, you know, he started showcasing you know a lot of different things that I think he's capable of doing better. And we certainly need help rebounding. And uh, so for a guard to go out there and get eleven defensive rebounds is really impressive. Wow! Now you head out on the road for uh, the Oregon trip. Oregon on Thursday. Oregon State on, on Saturday. Uh, what do you expect those two programs to present to you this weekend, Bobby? Well, I mean, Oregon's coming off a really good win at Utah, and Utah had, was undefeated, uh-huh. you know, in the conference going into that game. So, uh, and they they're a very talented team, very long, very athletic, and uh, 
you know, I think everybody knows you know the quality of coaching that, that Dana Altman brings to his teams. They generally get better as the year goes on. So, um, you know, we it's never easy to play in Eugene, and uh, so you know we're gonna have our hands full in that game. And then, uh, you know, we gotta you know obviously go to Oregon State, um, but you know we handled our business here. You know, winning our last two at home and. You know, we, we didn't we didn't take care of the Arizona game at home, so uh, you know we kind of oh, we, we need to get a road win. So mm-hmm. uh, you know that's where you, you you know you stay connected with the top of the league if you're able to go on the road and win. So that's the objective this week. Well, Bobby, best of luck this yeah. week in Oregon. Continued success, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday. Sounds good, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Bobby Hurley, the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils, our weekly guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. You could text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line. It's open at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, we hit the 9 o'clock hour in social media style. Social Studies with Sarah Cazell is next. Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.